Hi, this is Beverly Washburn, and you're listening to the Walter Paisley Movie Cast. Welcome to the Walter Paisley Movie House, where we celebrate the little engines that could not. Coming to you from Nilbog Manor Studios, our music is by Jonathan Harmon, and I am your host, Dylan Rory. Today's guest is an actor, dancer, and author who has appeared in some of the most iconic cult films and television shows of the 80s and 90s. Growing up in a family of performers in Denton, Texas, she found a love for music and dance that carried her to the prestigious Interlochen Arts Academy where she studied ballet and modern dance, after which she took her talents to L.A. where she began working as a dancer in music videos and movies, eventually taking acting roles as well. As an actor and dancer, she has been directed or appeared alongside The Stray Cats, Patrick Swayze, Sarah Jessica Parker, Lucinda Dickey, Sam Furstenberg, Adolfo Quin- Quinones, I'm never going to say his name right, Quinones, Linnea Quigley, Fanny, Fanny Flagg, David Warner, Paul Wilson, Renee Ebergenois, yeah, I got that one, Vicki Lawrence, Lorenzo Lamas, Cameron Dye, Grace Zabriskie, and Ben fucking Gazzara, you guys. She was even directed by the legendary Cindy, Sydney Poitier, I think, unless you were, unless you were in a B-roll there, I'm not sure. Uh, however, it is for her role as the demon mar- matriarch Angela in the Night of the Demons trilogy for which she will be best remembered in movies. Today, she is the author of six books and has dedicated her life to working to save yeah, dedicated her life to working to save endangered animals all over the world. Her charity, Amelia's Archangel Society, works directly with children in African schools to help curb poaching in protected wildlife areas throughout the continent. She even leads safaris and has two coming up in 2023 in Zambia. Please welcome a woman who not only appeared in one of my top five Golden Girls episodes, and if you know me, you know I love the GGs, but she's also the niece of an actual Golden Girl, Amelia Kincaid. Oh gosh, I didn't know I was going to burst into tears. I'll tell you, this will make you laugh. So now that I know you did not list the four Golden Girls that I appeared alongside, And one time my Aunt Rue called me from New York and I was in Los Angeles. And I said, How are you? And she said, Mimi, my goal in life is just to be whelmed. I don't want to be overwhelmed. Just I don't want to be underwhelmed. <laughs> I just want to be well. Well, I think that your intro has a little, it's a little higher echelon. I think you've got me in the overwhelm. I think I'm actually clearing up. You're more than the little engine that could, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, I I try and uh, make sure the guests know that uh, they're, that I'm, I'm coming from a place of love with this and that I'm, I'm, this is more of a, this is a tribute podcast to the, to the people who do the movies I love. Wow. So but you really did your homework. Really, really. So thank you. Thank you for that. Absolutely. So um obviously you've I, we can get to the movies. Um I know you've done hundreds of interviews uh, at the very least about Night of the Demons. And of course we'll talk about that and some others. Uh but let's back up a little because I went through a lot of interviews with you and you touch a lot on your youth, your mother being a pianist, a uh, concert pianist, and um, how you were brought up in the arts. But I'd like, if, if you're comfortable with it, can we go back a little bit and talk a little bit about your youth in Texas? Sure, absolutely. It, it was that, 
that intro was so extraordinary because I've never had anybody list the actors that I've worked alongside. It's, it was mind blowing. <laughs> I didn't do it. I, I I never even thought of that. I mean, that and it was, was a handful. Me, it's I always go, you know, share Smokey Robinson, Sheena Easton, Stray Cats, Donna Summer, mm-hmm. Four Tops, all the Motown stars. Um, because I always think of the dancing. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't of think course. of dancing. I think of the dancing, and I think of the the rock stars that I've worked with and the the icons of mm-hmm. Motown. But that's um that's really kind of you to want that kind of background. I mean, I can tell you from a very a poignant point of view that being a, a kid in very rural Texas mm-hmm. and feeling very much outcast in a number of ways, which is what Angela is, you mm-hmm. know, she becomes the protector of the outcasts. And that's phenomenal mm-hmm. that I've got so many people who come through my, my line with tattoos of me on their body. They're usually right. big guys covered in tats. <laughs> um, you know, they had to have a shot of whiskey before they meet me. They're sweating, their <laughs> eyes well with tears, and they turn red when they see me. And I, and I say, this is the biggest honor of my life, that you have a tattoo of me on your mm. body. What does this character mean to you? And they say, you protected me as a child. You protected me as a child. So they took this villain and they mm-hmm. turned it around somehow. Yeah. And they made a hero, a heroine out of me. And mm-hmm. and it's taken me a lifetime to understand what the impact of that was and how that came about. And it came about from my own extremely rural roots mm-hmm. and not fitting in and not being a cheerleader and not growing up with silver spoon in my ha- my mouth and not being on a ranch where they have horses and mm-hmm. and there was this magic window and it was called a television what what difference- kind of things were you watching you know i think the difference i had was that my aunt was in that magic box yeah yeah so there was this there was this magical portal into another world. Mm-hmm. She also had started out very rural, Oklahoma. Yeah. Small town Oklahoma. I mean, mm-hmm. girls don't go from Oklahoma to Broadway. You don't just pick up and go. Not back then. Especially right. Not then in the 1950s and 60s. Mm-hmm. And I was watching the kinds of things that they are making remakes out of now. Yeah. They're making really bad remakes <laughs> right right so were you watching did you have like afternoon movies that you'd watch or sunday afternoon movies or the, the late night movies i mean i watched things like gilligan's island and mm-hmm. green Acres and sure. i dream genie and so now when i'm around that the fact that i'm on this convention circuit with people like you know Bar- barbara this- eden started doing barbara them eden she just started story. doing them you know to be in their presence and then you flash forward to ghostbusters back to the future i mean all Mm -hmm. the the incredible movies of the 80s i I can look back now and go good night yeah did you have a local movie theater that you went to as a kid we had drive-ins drive-ins i mean we used to get out and sit on top of the car yeah that's great 
Texas. And now sometimes I get to do some of these iconic drive-in mm-hmm. places, you know, like the Mahoning. Yeah. So cool. So amazing. So when did you discover musical theater? I know that you you found it pretty early in life. And I'm I'm asking this two part because I grew up in a southern Indiana town that was very rural and I was a theater kid. And so I was a bit of the, the outcast too. I did a lot of musical theater and things around that time. Yeah, we probably have a lot in common. <laughs> that kind, you know, with that yeah. kind of yeah. upbringing. Mm-hmm. So for me, my my refuge in the beginning, and it started very early, so maybe two years old. I think I was still mm-hmm. in a diaper. And it, I, I started playing piano. Mm-hmm. And if you've been in a tumultuous childhood kind word um you need a place to go to keep Mm -hmm. to keep yourself sane and it started out with music and i got to the point where i had started dance Mm -hmm. and then my home became the the local theater because every every day after school my mother would drop me off at the theater and I was a chorus girl mm-hmm. in, you know, tacky costumes and bad, dark, a brown body paint doing things like The King and I or uh-huh. having too much fun <laughs> in Can Can, where I, I once did a, a, there was a series of jump splits and I, I do a forward flip, like a walkover. Mm-hmm. And the second my feet hit the ground, my skirt fell off. Oh, God. I, really good at that i don't know why <laughs> telekinesis telekinetic from the get-go <laughs> but i did the whole string of gentlemen prefer blondes and if this is something that i i sense is just now beginning to come back there have been some rock videos now that have real dancers mm-hmm. real classically trained modern and ballet dancers yeah. just smashing it you know like ed sheeran was one of the first ones to do it yeah and and now there are even some songs that are coming out that have a little bit more of a of a big band flair like a mm-hmm. swing flair yeah and i'm so excited to see that because i haven't really seen i'm going on a tangent but maybe you'll understand this it's There's quite all right this, the, we go all over the place on this show so wherever you want to go i'll follow <laughs> Um, every generation has had a huge rebellious change in music and dance. Yeah. And every generation. I mean, yeah. every, every decade. <clears throat> so you don't want to do what your parents were doing. You want to do something totally different. Mm-hmm. So the 50s were crazy different from the 40s. Yeah. And the 60s were just totally different. And you've got that, you know, that like a renaissance in mm-hmm. music with all, all of the 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 doors and the who and led zepp and in the seven into the 70s the yeah. beetle rolling stones and then it continued to evolve the 80s had their thing mm-hmm. and it was this splashy colorful even with our hair dyed like ice cream cones and <laughs> oh we thought we were the coolest thing and huge i mean yeah. the hair had to be huge in order i'm thinking of your hair in roadhouse in particular that was that was some good big hair so <laughs> <laughs> and that was big but it, now 
I'm waiting for it to turn again. I want to see that leaf turn again. Mm -hmm. In music and dance, nothing's really changed since the the 90s. I'm like, well, where's the next new dance? Where's the next Mm -hmm. new sound? Who's going to invent the next? We need our new superstar. We'll change it all. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now what is coming back is the 80s. And the 80s had real dancers. Yeah. We're trained and we spent six days a week in ballet class all day, every day, 12 hours a day. It was such an interesting evolution of dance coming out, especially coming out of the 60s where uh, interpretive dance and modern dance had become very popular and very strong. Uh, You know, Bob Fosse out there doing these amazing things that were so simple yet so complex. And then underneath all of that in the underground you had the b-boys doing break dancing and bringing that to the mm-hmm. forefront and so it 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 was a really interesting evolution throughout the 80s watching it grow and of course that was the first time i think too we as consumers of that were able to start watching music videos and and seeing these people do these amazing things i mean bob fossey is why we have the single ladies video, you know, it's, it's, that's Bob Fosse choreography that she's doing. So it's really interesting to see that evolution and then throwback. Yeah. We had a break in two. We had my all time favorite choreographer. Well, one of them, yeah, he was top two and mm-hmm. it was Phyllis Goodson. And at that time there were dancers coming in from ballet companies from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And they could do everything on film. And then they then he'd make you do gymnastics. He'd make you do classical jazz. He'd make you pop lock. And then the street dancers came in and they were phenomenal. So they're bringing in this whole new fresh. They're not trained the way right. we're trained. They're coming up with electrifying new kinds of dancing. And Adolfo was a choreographer too, wasn't he? I think he went on to, um, he was choreographing choreographing before that, but then went on to later to do more music videos and things, I believe. We haven't stayed in touch. I don't know. I believe, I, I think, um, I think he did. And then I, I, get, I get he and the other one confused all the time. One of them died too young, unfortunately, but yeah, yeah. Um, I believe he was doing some choreography that time too. But it was easier also for everyone to just jump up and dance. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to know how to break dance or pop lock or you just jumped up and dance. Yeah. We don't quite, ha- we're not there yet. We don't have that new dance that everybody can do. And I'm waiting for that <clears throat> new dance that everyone can do. I mean, it's cheesy as people may think it is when Ma- Madonna introduced Vogue, mm-hmm. she was trying. Every gay club I went to, everybody was Vogue. of course i loved it you know being the hang out at all the gay bars and dance on the tables Mm -hmm. of course as you do yep (laughs) back in the 80s you know in west hollywood they do things like bring in dump trucks full of sand and have beach blanket bingo parties and my brother And I would go to these things with all of our gay friends and we'd wear flippers and scuba gear and bikinis and stupid. So these were like, these were themed over like Frankie and Annette movies. Yes. Oh, that's amazing. Filled with sand. And we would dance 
all night. That's I mean, amazing. I'd get up on the bar. We would go crazy. And so that I I I'm missing that element of, of yeah. wildness, of fun that we used to have in the mm-hmm. 80s. But people have gotten really grim and serious now. And we need to yeah. be able to just get out there and enjoy what we still have, you know, what yeah. we have. It's um yeah, that's a <laughs> that might be a whole different podcast, but yeah. <laughs> um well, before we get, I'm I I have a tendency to go way off track, so I'm going to make myself be disciplined here. Um, so, uh, you you were studying piano, and originally you went to Interlochen intending to continue with piano. Is that right? I got up to Interlochen, and I auditioned as a dance major. Okay, I I'd heard in one of your interviews you talked about seeing other pianists and. Being like, oh, I'm out. I can't. I can't do that. Okay, that's right. I mean, so that I, was before you got to interlock and that you made that decision. It was about the same time. Okay, I, I switched from from piano to dance. Okay, interlocking does not have jazz. There's no alternative. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. There's classical modern, which in right. a lot of ways is ten million times harder than classical ballet because you've got to be trained as a classical ballerina or you can't do classical modern right and then it was that and it was point hardcore ballet Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if i hadn't had this great 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 love for the piano and for classical music i wouldn't have been able to translate that from creating that music because in a way when you're a musician the music is still flowing through you Mm -hmm. You're making that music. You're bringing that music to life. You you are that music, and that the same principles apply. And when it when that is your oasis, the way writing became my oasis, and mm-hmm. working with animals became my oasis, then it's not a chore to be disciplined. You want to practice all the time. Yeah, you want to get better all the time. Mm-hmm. Do you play? Do you play an instrument? Yeah, I have a um, my girlfriend and I perform in a band together. I play guitar and uh, write songs, and we we sing together and things. She was a musical theater major, so <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and yeah. So many kids then and now are mm-hmm. not going to find their thing. Nothing's going to click. Yeah. School and even with guys, if you don't play football. You don't play baseball. I think there's. You're not going to fit in with them. There's a there's a certain freedom now that youth has that we did not, and that's the internet. Where my my son actually he's 24 and he just picked his guitar back up. So I've been helping him with some things, and it was kind of fun to see. You know, because he he started when he was very young, and of course, as you, when you're a kid, practicing. Ugh, I don't want to practice. Um, now he's been at it and he has these resources that we never had where he can just go on YouTube and say, show me how to make this chord. I can't quite figure it out from the tab. And so he can watch somebody show him, um, you know, he'll come to me a lot, but he's also been finding all these resources on his own that we just didn't have. So I think there's, that's one of the few nice things you'll ever hear me say about the internet. <laughs> there's some 
great resources there for things like that. I never thought of that before. So you've got free teachers. If you're yeah. playing guitar, you can get on something and play along with them. And, and yeah. we would have a teacher come in once a week and mm -hmm. it was expensive and not most yeah. parents couldn't afford that. They couldn't afford the instruments. Yeah. That's fascinating. I have That's a, lot a of very DIY world now, which is very cool. And my good things to say about the internet are that I'm totally uncensored. Had I, yeah. uh, my entire life, if you didn't get a job by, if this was pre-Netflix mm -hmm. in the 80s, right. if you, MGM or 20th Century Fox didn't hire you, you didn't work. Right. And there were right. a handful of people out of hundreds of thousands that actually worked well, let's let's back up then. How did you get your first job out of school? You graduate Interlochen. Do you go straight to LA? I um I came to Hollywood to stay with my aunt, mm -hmm. and I had intended to uh, audition for a modern dance company. Okay. I got as far as an audition for the Stray Cats. I didn't know what the audition was for. Mm-hmm. There were a hundred girls there and they wanted one. I didn't have a car. I, I've never been to an audition in my life. Mm -hmm. I took a taxi in the rain. I got there late. I did not know what it was for. This is a long story and you'll, you'll, you'll go right ahead elsewhere. But I had been in Oklahoma. Stray Cats were my favorite band. I would dance staring in the mirror every night, pretending that I was the lead in their video. So MTV had just come out. For us, mm -hmm. this was explosive. It was like somebody dropped a bomb on us. We yeah. were going crazy. We'd never, never seen anything like this before. Yeah. And the kind of creativity that was coming through, the innovation that was coming through. Some of the best directors that were oh. making, they were making rock videos. Yeah. It, Ian Leach was this phenomenon, this British director who made mm -hmm. that rock video. And this was my fantasy. It was my survival, trying to survive college in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And I danced to the Stray Cat video every night. The first, the first manifestation that came to Oklahoma City. I okay. talked one of my girlfriends into going with me. I said, we got to go. We went to see them in concert. Mm-hmm. We ended up in an elevator alone with Brian Zetzer. <laughs> this is one of the first things. This is what I teach. It's about manifestation through joy, <clears throat> through love, through enthusiasm. And I, I, we were stunned. So we were already in another dimension where we're alone with him after I've been in love with him for months and months and months on end. Mm -hmm. And he turns to us and he says, where do you girls go to party? <laughs> I, 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 we, I, we didn't know anything. We're just a couple of hayseeds, you know. We heard mm -hmm. heard of a place somewhere in Oklahoma City. We were, I was in school in Norman, and um, we went home. We didn't go. We no. got out there one way, and we thought well, he's never going. He's not going to go. He's not going to go. We find it was in the papers the next day that he went. <laughs> So that was the first time I manifested him. Nothing came of that. Mm -hmm. And months and months and months go by. When I get to Los Angeles, we had this little magazine called Drama Log. This is before yeah. Dan. Yep. 
and they'd list the auditions. Mm -hmm. And I see one dancer wanted for a rock video. Well, okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And that wasn't an ego thing. That was like the voice of God. That was, it was intuitive. I knew, I knew I had to have it. And I went to this audition and they narrowed it down to five and they called me the next day and they told me I got it. Now I'd been in New Orleans studying with the New Orleans ballet. So after Texas, okay. I moved to Louisiana. <clears throat> uh, first job, they fly me back to Louisiana. They fly me to New Orleans. <laughs> and because the 17 was underage, that was a big deal back then. Right. And they made a big fuss out of it because it was very risque. Right. Like 17. Not 19. Yeah. I was actually 19. Right. Right. Uh, so that sort of, that catapulted me into a world of making dancing in movies and television shows it was astonishing because it gave me so much visibility. Well, you and you are that video. I mean that that video is nothing without you in it. You you dominate all of them. You you carry that entire video. The song's great. You dancing in it makes that video. So I'm sure that got a lot of eyes on you. Well, thank you. Uh I think one of the reasons I got it is because I already had that crew cut. I looked like one of those. <laughs> but the writer of the demons, Joe Augustine, had mm -hmm. seen the video. And because of the video, he wanted me. Okay. That's why I got called into audition for Night of the Demons. Okay. He wanted a dancer in the role. So he saw it a certain way i could see that he didn't want an actress jumping up and doing a drunken wiggle he wanted a dancer i mean this is coming from kind of a different mentality mm -hmm. where, where these rock videos were these these miniature musical theater plays i mean there's right. a story there's a love story there's a beginning a middle and an end maybe the guy's gonna get his heart broke. he's gonna right the dancing, everything is condensed in time, but it's exquisitely done. And you can right. even look back now at the Duran Duran videos or uh, yeah. Tom Dolby or anything mm -hmm. and see it completely differently now. Because they're not club dancing. That's no. a real thing here. Yeah. And even if they make something silly and cheesy, it's still really creative and and as a dancer you were just putting your heart and soul into it mm -hmm. you're going you're going all pull out the stops hmm. and i did that in the stray cat video and the reason i took night of the demons was because of the dance and i said i'll take the job if you let me choreograph it you let me do cool. whatever I want, i'll take the job that those were my terms mm-hmm you would never get that now. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> never get that now. So, so before we get... Oh. So, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, before we get too deep into Night of the Demons, I, uh, you you did a lot of like television and some dancing roles in films uh, that I feel need to be noted. Um, 
Well, first off, you're in an episode of Knight Rider. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you win just for that. But more importantly, you were in Breaking to Electric Boogaloo, which is one of my absolute favorite films. I, I love it. I've shown it here. I, I screen movies here in town and I've shown I actually showed that one uh, within the last year. Um, it's such a crazy, crazy movie as only Canon films could do. And you are in easily one of the craziest parts in the hospital dance. And what are your memories of that? <laughs> that scene is absolutely nuts. <laughs> oh, wow. First of all, thank you. You have very good taste because <laughs> I love that movie. It's great. How could you not love it? That was, I, I mean, maybe one of the best choreographers in the world. I mean, certainly yeah. one of the best ones in Hollywood. He left to go choreograph modern dance in Holland, I think, because he couldn't handle the the politics of Hollywood. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter how talented you are. Somebody else comes along, they want less money, you get undercut, they get your job, and it, it's a dirty business. It's a yeah. lot of nepotism. It's yeah. not nice. Dancing wasn't like that. <clears throat> it, the dancers, we were it was not like that. We were hired on scale. Mm-hmm. With few a few exceptions of girls that got hired that weren't very talented, but they were really, really beautiful. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the case with the men. The men had to be just mega colossal talented and disciplined to get mm -hmm. that good. And in <laughs> my, my favorite memory is very naughty, but all my my gay followers are gonna love this. I made friends with a guy who back then. It was really rare to be a cross-dresser. Mm -hmm. And he was one of the most beautiful dancers that I have ever seen in my life and a gymnast. So we would we would start cutting up and joking. And he'd say, you know, he went into a shop in Hollywood in a clothing shop and the girls gave him attitude. He went in as a guy. So the mm -hmm. next day he goes in as a girl and they were falling all over it and he had a wig and heels you would never dream in a million years <laughs> a woman he was gorgeous he was gorgeous either way but lonnie was doing those gymnastics and when even what we're doing is nothing compared to what those gymnasts were doing mm -hmm. we were in uh it was a over 100 degrees that day in an unair conditioned abandoned hospital in a bad part outside of LA. Oh. And we rented it only for a few days. You got to mm. get it right. You right. got to get it right. You're going to be there forever if you don't get it right. And when the guys jump up, when we're doing the healing seat, yeah. healing, and they jump up out of their wheelchairs and they start pop locking and doing all these gymnastics and, and, and not even just break dancing, but handsprings back handsprings flip yeah. that scene is pro is the my favorite dance number that i've ever done aside from my solo in night of the demons and and right. maybe some of the things with donna summer but the, that tour with donna summer that's out yeah. there she only had two female dancers it was it was just and, and things are really categorized according to ethnicity so if they they want five dancers and they want an Asian girl, an African-American girl, mm -hmm. a blonde girl, a brunette girl, and a Hispanic 
more Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. That's it. And you, if you don't get that one spot, one of the one of the shows, I dyed my hair after I got the show. Kenny Ortega pulled me aside. And he said, "I don't know what you think you're doing." It was for share. It was share. He said, "You're supposed to be the brunette, not the blonde." Wow. You're going to be a oh he he pitched a fit and had me go to a hairdresser and it was a friend of his and they pulled hair out of the in the middle of the night to change my hair color. Wow. But um that number, the phone whack, remember where mm-hmm. we're doing that? Yeah. over the telephone over oh, yeah. whack, whack, whack. I love that kind of dancing. Awesome. And that that was so fun. And I hope that that is one of the reasons, even that the, the that the demons movies were popular. It we weren't being, you know, nobody was cracking a whip over us. Mm-hmm. I, I, I never had the luxury of making one of these wildly expensive movies. Right. So I don't know what it would be like to be under the pressure of being in a high budget movie. Mm-hmm. The closest I ever got to that was The Young and the Restless. Right. Right. And so far. So- they're tough well that's i mean that is just making a show that's recording with a gun to your head here are your lines for today oh wait we made changes take these here's your sides for today now and just <laughs> I, I was coming up to my apartment and there was a a stack of scripts yep. that i had to memorize by the next day that's hard. Yeah. So the dancing and in the demons movies, we were genuinely having fun. Mm-hmm. We adored each other. We were just cutting up and having a ball mm-hmm. with the effects guys, with the techs, the sound guys, the lighting guys. We're jumping out, scaring each other in our mm-hmm. crazy makeup. And it's also true in the dance, in the dance movies. Yeah. So thrilled to get a job. Well, yeah. (laughs) Got the job. (laughs) You're walking on air from the second you come into the studio. Sure. Sure. I mean, it is for for anybody who's never auditioned for something, it is one of the more nerve-wracking experiences you can go through. It's especially when it's you're you gotta eat. And this is, you know, this is your opportunity to to pay your rent or go get a job at a coffee shop. So it's very stressful situation going into those auditions. So getting the job is, you know, (laughs) just one of the greatest feelings in the world. It is. Yeah. So you were, you're doing this work. um, You're not really doing anything episodic at this point. You're just doing some little one-offs. You're doing a lot of dancing in movies. And at the same time, you're doing these tours um you know i think it's something that when we're in our 20s we don't really feel the impact of everything we're doing we're just glad we're doing stuff when you look back at that now do you just get exhausted thinking about it <laughs> just everything you were doing back then i don't cuz that was nothing compared <clears throat> to what i did after that i mean after when it, when my first book got published in 2001 mm-hmm. by random house mm-hmm. Biggest publishing house in the world, Harper Collins in London. Um, now with New World Library, I it was I think Harper Collins got it to South Africa and, and Australia, 
and then it's continuously been picked up and now the other five books are, have been picked up or are in the process of being picked up okay Paris and poland and london and uh, and i'm a hustler so in germany they're bestsellers uh i've taught in portugal i've flown to brazil i've coached the world's top olympic show horses we've won the gold medal the global launching global championship tour so i spent <clears throat> 19 years pre-covid living out of a suitcase yeah and in those 19 years, I taught animal communication workshops in 27 countries. Wow. Most of those countries, I'd hit them every year or several times a year. Mm-hmm. I'd fly to London to teach in Switzerland, teach all over England, Scotland, Germany, three times a year from wow. LA. And then the animal sanctuaries where I go right. fly to Cape Town and help out with the great white sharks and fly mm-hmm. somewhere else and work with the tigers in Thailand, the elephants in Thailand, the gorilla in Rwanda, the safari mm-hmm. I lead now. I've gone to Africa 19 years in a row. Yeah. I'm built for speed. I'm wired that way. So I've, I enjoyed every second of it. And now I'm making this transition to be mm-hmm. teaching online because we have to. Right. We don't have any other choice. And I'm learning how to pick my battles now. So right. now that I'm in my late 20s, I am slowing down. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. But, but that, that isn't exhausting. And thinking back on the acting and the dancing, it, that was never exhausting. That's I'm, great. The opposite. I get anxious and upset when I'm not working. Yeah. Yeah. What well, when we we look at I'm I'm looking basically at everything pre-Night of the Demons. Um, because I know that was kind of a, it became a, a game changer of sorts for you, uh, which we'll get to in a minute. But um not at the time. You you it's really interesting to me. Like there's a couple where you show up, I think it's a, yeah. And mama's family. And uh, there was something else where you show up as uh, you're, you're credited as punk. You're the punker or the punk, which I think was kind of a catch all thing for the eighties. They just throw some pink hair on you and go, yeah, you're a punk now. Um, And then, you know, dancer and woman and things like that. Just being able to get that work as a jobbing actor is, especially at age 19 is incredible. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's very rare, I think, to be able to come in to Hollywood and, and start getting work. You work your ass off and you hustle those auditions, but to keep getting them, do you think that being a dancer and being a very good dancer gave you, a, <laughs> no pun intended, a leg up as, as you moved along in that? Um, I think maybe discipline. Yeah. You know, it was discipline. When I I started this work and I got a, and Shirley MacLaine was one of my superstar heroes my Mm -hmm. whole life. Because not only could she act and dance, she wrote extremely controversial books. She was Mm -hmm. one of the people to be talking about spiritual matters and mystical matters and reincarnation and Atlantis and all these things. And when I was a kid, I was reading those books. Mm -hmm. What wowed me about her was her writing. Yeah. when she had me on her show on Mother's Day, 
a long time ago. She wanted to talk about the end of the world. But she, before, one of the biggest compliments I've ever, ever received in my life, before we went on the radio show, I had her on the phone. And it, it, this is like, I, I don't even know what you would compare it to now. I don't know what you would compare it to. If whoever your biggest hero is if, in this new generation, if it's like J-Lo or Chris Helmsworth or, I mean, just somebody who's it, it, impossible to reach. Just, mm-hmm. She said, having you on this show is the biggest honor of my life. Wow. Wow. Because I've, I'm actually having a conversation with somebody who can talk to animals. Mm-hmm. Very open about her psychic explorations. And she said, do you know why you can do it? And she said, it's because you were a dancer. And dancers don't shirk from pain. Same thing with athletes of every kind. You'd be a football player. Same thing. Mm-hmm. You're not going to stretch or reach or and go ouch i'm gonna back off that that hurts we're gonna breathe through it and that's what shirley said you're gonna breathe right through it and we even laugh because we used to take our point shoes off pull the pour the blood out in the middle of the night every night and then put the point shoes back on and you continue to dance yeah and I think that may have been it with the auditions that you, I, I, I don't even know if I went on hundreds or thousands, but you cannot give up. You yeah. cannot give up. You've got to have this positive can do attitude. And that's with all artists. And one of the many things I do love about the internet is this is creating a way for artists to get their, their artwork, their, their yeah. writing, their, their filmmaking, their music, their dance, to get it out there. Yeah. Well, not only that, I think it also, aside from being able to be seen, to be heard, it also gives them a chance to network, connect. My girlfriend's a makeup artist, and she finds out from other makeup artists, you know, what are you, what are you getting paid for this job? She does a lot of movie work. And when they all start talking, wait a minute, you're getting paid what for the day, right? I'm not getting paid that much. So it helps them negotiate. It helps keep producers on any, <laughs> to at least a, as honest as they can possibly be. But it, it helps them to go in and say, wait a minute, this is not equitable. Here's what's really happening with this person and this person and this person. I'm doing the same work. What's up with that? So it's, it's, it's really made it an empowering world for especially gigging artists. It's it's changed everything because it's yeah. it's created sovereignty, and it's put you in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. With yeah, own. it can't be about money. It it can never be about money, and it is never about money. That you're so passionate about something and you want to get it out there. Also, yeah. after I had my first book published by Crown, I mean, you don't get any better than that. Mm-hmm. And they wanted me to do something that was commercial. And I said, I can't do that again. I mean, they wanted a repeat of my first book. So it took me 10 years to to collect 50K studies. Right. I, I already said everything. Really <clears throat> I said, let's talk about something else now. We're going to talk about quantum physics that the astronaut Edgar Mitchell 
and I were talking about, and that's how that's what I wanted to write about. And mm -hmm. they said, "Oh no, can't do that. You're not a quantum physicist." And that's why Dr. Mitchell wanted me to bring that to the public because I'm right. not. He said, not only can you put it in terms that everyone else can understand, ex exchanges of energy, exchanges of emotion, right. these processes work, how you can see spirits and people who've passed away and connect with animals on the other side. And he said, there's no such thing as paranormal. If one person can do it, it's normal. There's no such <laughs> thing as metaphysics. Interesting. One person can do it, it's physics. He said, if the scientists have not caught up with you, that's their problem. It's not your problem. They don't have the machinery yet to measure what you're doing. They're getting that machinery, but they're creating it. Like the MRI machine helps yeah. us understand these things or EKGs and being able to watch Buddhist monks light the, the part, different parts of the brain light up when they're right. in states. And it, now it's becoming more pop culture mainstream. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got an animal psychic. It's become something really normal now because of movies like The Horse Whisperer even words like the dog whisper. Mm -hmm. When I first started, no one knew what those things were. It didn't even exist. But that book, <laughs> I wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. So that book, I went with a smaller publishing house because they would do it and no one else would. And they right. make slick little books. It's called New World Library. They got a heavy hitters out there because we can say what we want to say, not what, the, the big publishing houses want us to say, but I have other books that I self-published because I am right. also an artist and an illustrator and a painter and a cartoonist. And I know what my characters look like. And the publishing houses were telling me, oh, the children's book, it's, it, this industry is so much harder than the other one. And it is. I never cracked it. That's so the much. winged one? Yes, sir. That's yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. That's Amelia Kincaid, you guys. Uh, part one, anyway. We'll get to part two in a couple of weeks. Uh, break into Electric Boogaloo, you guys. She was in the greatest scene in that film. Probably one of the greatest dance scenes of all time. And yes, I'm including Mac and me in that. Uh, so, uh, let's see. She's going to be at Horror Realm in Pittsburgh on March 3rd. Uh, if you want to check that out, you can uh, find Horror Realm, uh, just Google Horror Realm. Uh, it's going to be in uh, Pittsburgh at the Crown Plaza, March 3rd through 5th. She'll be there with Linnea Quigley, uh, Tony Moran, B. Neal, the makeup artist, is going to be there, uh, C.J. Graham. Lots of horror, uh, horror icons at this one. While you're out in the world, you know, get out there, have fun, don't get sick like I did. And also, tip your servers really well, because it's the Walter Paisley Movie House, and we do not piss on hospitality. 